you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hey, everybody. It's Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we should probably start exercising again. Uh, it's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. Uh, Laquan Jones, not with us. He's off doing actual work this week. Um, of course, as you probably know, if you follow the show, he is a researcher for NFL media, and he is down in New Orleans uh, just hanging out, eating seafood and beignets. No, um, apparently he's uh, not apparently. He actually is doing some work around some of the HBC. You uh, goings on down there for uh, for football. I know he's there with Steve Weish, Bucky Brooks, Charles Davis, uh, among others. So uh, we are going to prime him for information when he returns about who he saw and uh, and what he likes. But uh, in the meantime, uh, we got we got plenty to talk about. I mean, Florio, you uh, I know this is an audio only podcast, but I'm proud of you. You are rocking a Golden State Warriors City hoodie <laughs> right now. Uh, we talked a little bit about that before the show, but in his place. Hanging out, at least with us for a little while. Uh, it's the one and only Matt Okada. Matt, it's good to have you here, man. How you doing? Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, it's the NFL offseason, which, you know, it has its its pluses and its minuses, mostly minuses because there's no football. But other than that, I'm doing great. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, Matt wrote a column. We'll dive into that in just a little bit. We're also going to go through Daniel Jeremiah's Mock Draft 2.0 because uh, it is Mock Draft season, of course. And uh, Florio and I will talk about some of the interesting names and whether we like some of the landing spots. Uh, plus, we may talk about some All-Star games because the NBA All-Star game uh, just happened. Um, and Florio, you said you don't really watch All-Star games anymore. No, I'm not in. I, I love skills challenge. Like I watched Saturday night for the NBA. I love the home run derby. I watch grown men play dodgeball every year. <laughs> but the all-star games themselves, 
Not a fan. Although I know we're going to talk this later. I think, Marcus, I have figured out the way to make them more competitive. Okay, cool. Well, we will get to that later on in the show. But I want to start with uh, a column that Matt Okada has currently on NFL.com. You can go check it out. It's about cap casualties or potential cap casualties because we are getting toward that time of year. Free agency starts in about three weeks. Um, So we're going to be talking, obviously, about where players are going to move, but teams have to sort of make room in terms of being able to sign players. And so that means that, unfortunately, some guys are going to be left without a job when it's all said and done. And so, Matt, I wanted to go through yours and you have it broken down into AFC and NFC. Um, Some of the names obviously aren't necessarily fantasy relevant. They're more defensive guys. It's it's worth reading the whole thing for uh, anybody out there. Go check it out. But I wanted to pick out some of the offensive names, obviously, that could make an impact. And one Mm. that jumped out at me, it jumped out at me anyway, but even more so because when I woke up uh, this morning and I was checking Twitter, as I want to do, I know it's not healthy to lay in bed and scroll Twitter, but whatever, I do it anyway. Um, (laughs) Every day on Twitter, it seems as though there is a new player that we are talking about, whether it's a draft prospect, a current player, what have you. This morning's main character seemed to be one Nicholas Jamal Chubb. Mm. Uh, You have written, other people have written that he could be a cap casualty, that the the Browns could move on from him. Uh, You mentioned in your piece that the knee injury certainly uh, is going to be impactful. And, And when I read it, I thought, is that the whole thing? I mean, I know that the, the salary number is a big thing, but but Matt, if you look at it, if if Nick Chubb played a full 17 games and into the playoffs, it was fully healthy at the end of the year. Would we even be having this discussion about him right now? I think we'd be having the discussion because there are other factors at play. I think that the severity of the discussion would be a lot less intense because obviously Nick Chubb has been the face of this franchise, um, at least on the offensive side of the ball for a while now. And letting him go sounds absurd, but there is a lot to consider. And the injury is big. It is a big deal on multiple fronts. It was, you know, severe damage, MCL and ACL. It was the same knee he injured back at Georgia. It's not, it's never good to re-injure the same knee for a running back. Also, while he recovered from that college injury, he was 20 then. He's 28 now. There's a lot different when it comes to recovery, recovery time, getting back to 100%. And then to move on from the injury a little bit, hitting 28 is kind of that dreaded age for running backs a lot of the times, especially when you've got the workload and the injury history that Chubb does, where even those guys we believe to be the best in the league begin to fall off a little bit. We've seen it all, you know, fantasy RB1s hit that age, fall out and begin to, you know, come to the, the twilight of their career, if you will. So I would I would consider that a concern even if Chubb hadn't dealt with this injury. But now you have this. I don't think he comes back early 2024. I don't know from what I've heard talking to people who know these, this kind of stuff really well. I don't know if he comes back 100% until the very end of this next season. And when you've got a $16 million cap hit, which is the third highest among running backs, that makes that really tough to swallow, you know, mm-hmm. He has to be a top three back in the league, basically, to make that work. And if he's fully 100%, he is. He's Nick Chubb. We know he's one of the best running backs (laughs) in the league. But if he's not, and that's basically the ceiling, you're taking on a lot of risk. And I will just throw this in there as one final thing, (laughs) because I know you mentioned, you know, when he's playing 17 games, should we even doubt this? Should we even have this conversation? Just throwing this out there. 
And I, and trust me, I believe RBs matter. I'm a fantasy guy. The Browns <laughs> had the number 10 scoring offense in the league last year. That was their best finish since 2007. Hmm. In this year, they didn't have Chubb. I'm just putting it out there. Their quarterback <laughs> situation wasn't great for most of the year either. So don't know if you can put it on that. I think I think we get attached to people to running backs, especially, but also to just players in a franchise sometimes. And it, it might be time to move on and go in a new direction for that offense. So David Njoku is the the key. He's the engine that keeps that <laughs> offense going, is what you're saying. The, the classic 17th year breakout or whatever you're hey, using. Hey David, <laughs> hey, David Njoku. That's that's what I'm taking away from that whole conversation right there. <laughs> so all three of us are in a mock draft of together right now. Nick Chubb went in the middle of the third round. I, I can tell you right now, I'm out on that cost. But uh, mm-hmm. it sounds like you are as well, Okada. Two names that we did go uh, not that early, but pretty early, were Alvin Kamara and Aaron Jones. And you have them both as potential cut candidates. Uh, I think a lot of fantasy players or fans look at it and say, well, Alvin Kamara was their top target for much of this year. And Aaron Jones just had them on a, a good playoff run. So do you think it's possible that either or both could restructure their deal and stick with the team? Or do you think that we're going to see each of these running backs on a different team next year? No, I do think it's possible. And with Aaron Jones, I honestly think it's probably more likely than not that they do figure out a way to keep him there, or at least they try to. They have said that Brian Gutenkunz, the GM, has come out and said the hope and the anticipation is that they'll bring him back. Just the details of how they do that are still in flux. And last year, he took a five million dollar pay cut to stay in Green Bay because he loves playing in Green Green Bay and they love him a lot. He's a big locker room piece. He's a crux of their offense. So I think that they want him there. He also carries a lot of dead money, $12 million, unless they cut him post June 1st, which is a complicated thing that comes along with the salary cap situation that helps free up money. And, you know, like you guys mentioned, he came on very strong at the end of last year after having a really rocky start to the season. So I think it's possible. I think it's likely that they try to restructure him somehow, get that numbered down so he's not up there at the very top in terms of a running back salary cap and continue to build around Jordan Love and him in that backfield, which would be great. Kamara feels a lot tougher to me. He has the highest salary cap hit among running backs, $18.8 million. And that's already problematic enough. People don't want to pay running backs that much money, no matter how well you're performing. To add to that, the Saints have the worst cap situation in the league, and it's by a mile. <laughs> They're in the 80 millions over the cap. Oof. It's like it, it's absurd how how bad of a situation they're in. This is a yearly thing for them. It, like, <laughs> somehow they managed to get it under, but you know what? It hasn't, it hasn't looked good recently. It hasn't turned into playoff runs of any significance. So. They need to figure out something new. And Camara feels like probably the best, if not one of the best places to do that, because that cap hit is, an, it is you know, insane. But also, he's missed several games over the last three seasons. He hasn't hit double-digit double, double touchdowns since 2020, which is what he was doing like a maniac early in his career and earned him the extension he's playing on right now. He had career lows in yards last year. He wasn't that efficient. I still believe he's a great player. Obviously, he's incredible. He's one of the best passing pass catching backs in the league. But for a team in this bad of financial straits who needs to figure out something new, that number might be too much to figure out how to restructure. I'm sure they like to. I don't know if they can pull it off. 
Yeah, I mean, just looking at it, it, it feels like Kamara's the guy who probably leaves. I can't imagine the Packers moving on from Aaron Jones just because, look, they're not keeping A.J. Dillon. No. You know, that 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 didn't work out, you know, and, and he's, he's an unrestricted free agent. I imagine they're easily going to let him walk. But as you mentioned, with Jordan Love showing what he showed us this year, with that group of young, talented pass catchers that they have around there. Um, I just imagine that having Aaron Jones really sort of cements the growth of this offense. I think Green Bay will do everything they can to try to keep him there, but I can very well see Alvin Kamara playing somewhere else besides New Orleans next year. Um, I would say that maybe he goes to the Chargers and replaces Austin Eckler, but that number might be sort of big, but the Chargers do have some decisions to make at the wide receiver spot. Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, a couple of guys that that could be sent uh, packing, depending on what the Chargers want to do. But look, they have a new head coach in Jim Harbaugh. Uh, They have a new offensive coordinator in Greg Roman. Uh, They really are still trying to build around Justin Herbert. And at least through, you know, the first year, Matt, uh, Quentin Johnston shows that he still has a lot of work to do to be a guy that they can count on regularly. So does this mean the Chargers have to try to keep at least one of those two receivers uh, for next year? I think, you know, if, if they came to me, if John, John came, to me and, <laughs> Jim came to me and asked, I would say, yes, you need to try to keep at least one. Do they think that? I'm not sure. I don't know. Not necessarily. <laughs> you know, we've talked some really big names so far in this pod getting cut and people, you know, probably react to that with how could you possibly move on from someone like that? The best place to look for teams to move on from guys who seem like franchise faces that are stars is when you've got a whole new regime and they have one. Mm -hmm. So I could easily see them being in a situation where they say, we're going to build around Justin Herbert, but we're going to do it the way that we want. And that looks like X. Um, Quentin Johnston has a long way to go, as you (laughs) pointed out. So I don't think I, I don't think you want to go into this year with. Justin Herbert and Quentin Johnston. And there's also a good chance that Austin Eckler is moving on because he's a free agent. Mm. You know, he's among their best pass catchers. So if you lose, if you have to cut Williams and Allen, you're putting Justin Herbert in a tough spot. We've seen all these young quarterbacks take that big step forward when they got that star receiver. What happens to Herbert if they get rid of two star receivers? Does he take a big step backwards i don't think i want to know i don't think the chargers should try to find out and i will say they have the number five pick in the draft i think there's a very good chance they get neighbors or odunze there maybe marvin harrison jr if by some miracle he falls to them unlikely (laughs) but i'd much rather have any of those guys as a duo to allen or williams especially if it's allen and they can learn from him for a year or two that sounds like the ideal situation to me. I'd like to keep Keenan for sure. I'd like to keep one if you can. We'll see if they do. I think it's definitely best for Herbert if they can. Yeah, I, I know Keenan is older, but he's healthier as of late, coming off of a more productive season. And like you said, he's the veteran. So if they keep one, I he seems like the one that they might uh, opt to keep a little bit. But what about sticking in that same division, Okada? Uh, the Broncos, right? Like We know that they... Not a total regime change this year, but last year it was, and and they tried to do it with Russell Wilson, and that did not work out. And it it all kind of seems like he is going to be playing elsewhere next year. But some of his pass catchers, I know they want to get rid of Jerry Judy, but you wrote <laughs> that Corlin Sutton and Tim Patrick are the two that are on the hook here. 
Yeah, if if they get rid of Judy, which I agree, they, it seems likely that'll probably be through a trade. It's also not impossible that one of these guys gets traded uh, through some kind of you know tag and trade or who knows. Um, it's going to look bad. This offense is going to look bad. <laughs> that's that's my main takeaway here because I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson. Obviously, towards the end of last year, when the whole "you're going to sit" thing came out, it was we all just assumed for sure it was over. They were going to move on and restart and do something else. Since then, there's been a little bit of chatter about maybe they'll try to work it out. We haven't heard much else. He's still not gone. So who knows what's going to happen there? But Russell Wilson was playing pretty decently, quote unquote, uh, not for him compared to (laughs) elsewhere in his career, but decently for an NFL quarterback. And that team was still middling at best from an offensive standpoint. And that was with Cortland Sutton scoring a touchdown, which felt like every single game, which I don't think is realistic. Yes, it would felt like a breakout, but that kind of touchdown output is probably going to regress. So they're in bad cap shape. They have one pick in the first four rounds, which is number 12 overall. Mm. I don't necessarily think they're going to use that on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be messy. They have a lot of holes to fill. I think that, Cutting one or maybe both of these wide receivers is going to be a good way to start doing that. If they do that and they want to get rid of Judy, what do they have to catch passes? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you what they have is Marvin Mims. Imagine giving him a proper target distribution. Ooh, maybe that's uh, the secret plan. Uh, uh, but until it happens, yeah, this is going to be a messy situation. Yeah, it's just, you know it's funny how it went from... You know, a couple of years ago, they bring in Russell Wilson. There's all this excitement about, you know, what things are going to happen. You know, then the Nathaniel Hackett situation was just an abject disaster. They try to, you know, paper over that with with uh, Sean Payton. And that really didn't work because I, I don't know that he and Russ were ever really going to get along. And now here we are. They're sitting in limbo with no real direction or anywhere to go. And as you mentioned, it doesn't seem like they're in a real position to go through a re uh, a real rebuild. I, I, my fear is, if, if I'm a Broncos fan, my fear is that we're going to be stuck in football purgatory for a long time, where we are we are not good enough to make the playoffs or make a deep run in the playoffs, uh, but not bad enough to end up near the top of the draft board. Um, they also have that dude who wears number fifteen sitting in Kansas City. Uh, on top of their division, which is sort of problematic for them, <laughs> really problematic <laughs> for them. Uh, this last name, and I put this on here because I know this one is near and dear to your heart. Uh, Taysom Hill. I mean, we talked about Alvin Kamara and what he could be, you know, or what could be his future in New Orleans. I know how much you love Taysom Hill. I know how much you have caped up for him. Uh <laughs> He seems like one of those guys where New Orleans is the only place that he could do what he is doing. What mm. what do you think his future potentially could be? Okay, so here's what I'll say on that. I don't think that there's anything particularly creative in the Saints offense as of now that allows him to succeed. I just think they're willing to use him the way that makes sense. So the question is, is somebody else? Because at the, you know, forget whether or not they invented the mold for how to use him everyone else has seen it now so someone else can figure out how to do it the same way they did it's just a question of who and would they be willing to from a fantasy standpoint i think it's probably tough that he goes somewhere else and has as common uh an occurrence of relevance as he has these past (laughs) couple years just because the Saints have proven to be so willing to use him comes, you know, somewhat consistently. It's still like 40 percent of snaps. But when you play like Taysom Hill and get the, the involvement he does when he's in the game, that can be enough to be useful sometimes. 
I think there are some places where it's possible. I, I have a little mini list if you're if you're open to hearing it. Sure. Yeah. Detroit. Mm-hmm. Taysom Hill in the hands of Dan Campbell and Ben Johnson in unique situations on fourth down. Tell me that that Dan Campbell wouldn't love to have Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill and Dan Campbell seem like two peas at a pod. Like, I think they would get along great. It's just beauty. <laughs> so that, that, I hope for it. I, I, I don't want that. <laughs> because he's going to be coming in. Forget Montgomery's taking touchdowns away from Gibbs. He'll take it from both of them. True. Yeah, there's a lot of offensive pieces he'd be taking away from there, which would be get annoying. But for Taysom's sake, that would be a cool one. Yes. The Chiefs. That one's just so hmm. obvious. Yeah. Andy Reid, the stuff he likes to do behind the line, that he would be Kadarius Tony, but actually good and not drop the ball. <laughs> and... And also, the very, very sneaky piece that I, if, if Andy Reid's not hasn't thought about this yet, Andy, listen up. This team is unwilling to run QB sneaks because of mm-hmm. what happened to Mahomes a few years ago when he dislocated his kneecap. They yep. never do it. But when you're one yard from a first down or one yard from a goal line, we've seen it has become the norm in the NFL. It is a crucial. You bring Taysom Hill in, easy, first down. <laughs> so that, that one's that one's so obvious to me we'll see i also like the browns i think kevin stefanski is pretty creative they have a high pace of play which is something the saints do that allows hill to get in more commonly so that one's kind of interesting to me for some reason i like the jaguars just because i feel like doug peterson and Taysom hill mesh well i don't know why that's just a gut <laughs> feel and then the rams because sean mcveigh those are my those are my spots Sean McVay would find some really creative things, I think, to do with Taysom Hill. Um, I, I, I'm surprised not to hear he could be the Russell Wilson replacement for Sean Payton in Denver. <laughs> hey, that's, that's not a bad one. Uh, but I don't know you what's know? happening with Russell yet. That's true. That You know what? I, now that you say that, Florio, it would not surprise me if somehow uh, Sean Payton finds a way to wrangle him over to Denver. He um, didn't maybe not, maybe not in maybe not an every down quarterback, but just enough to like you know make it interesting over there. He'll get him for paid, sure. that's for sure. True. That's uh, yeah, Sean Payton will for sure <laughs> get him paid. Um, hey man, uh, the column's great over at NFL.com. You go check it out. The full thing with the uh, potential cap casualties. Uh, any interest in maybe sticking around with us for one more segment, talking some uh, some DJ mock draft? Yeah, sign me up. All right, sounds good. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about DJ's mock draft. Matt Okada still hanging out with us a little bit longer here on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? 
Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Well, it is mock draft season, and uh, you've got the folks on NFL.com putting out their respective mock drafts. Of course, Daniel Jeremiah being chief among them. He is on mock draft 2.0 already, so uh, one's going to dive into that. Matt Okada still hanging out with us uh, here on the pod today. And um, the first thing I noticed uh, when I looked at mock draft 2.0 from Daniel Jeremiah, a.k.a. Move the Sticks on Twitter, four quarterbacks in the top eight picks. I know this is a year where everybody people love the quarterbacks that are in the draft this year. I think it's also because people don't necessarily love the quarterbacks that are potentially going to be available next year. So this feels like a year when everybody is trying to scramble and get one of those guys that they think sort of turn their their fortunes around. So. The four guys that DJ has going early on, Caleb Williams uh, going number one to the Chicago Bears, not really a big surprise, nor is Drake May uh, going at number two to the Washington Commanders. You go down a little bit further. He's got uh, Jaden Daniels at number six to the New York Giants and J.J. McCarthy, who has been getting a lot of buzz lately, moving up a lot of draft boards. DJ's got him going at number eight to the Atlanta Falcons, the now Arthur Smith free Atlanta Falcons. So uh, for I will start with you of, of those guys, presuming, you know, I know this is all speculation, but if this were to happen, as Jeremiah predicts, um, which one is in the best spot to produce immediately? I think I know who you're going to say, but I want to hear it anyway. <laughs> were you thinking Jaden Daniels? I was. Yeah. For fantasy purposes, I don't care where they go. It's Jaden Daniels to me because think Anthony Richardson, think Jalen Hurts, think Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying that Daniels is like, like he's not nearly as big as Anthony Richardson or Hurts or anything, but those quarterbacks were not the number one in their class or anything like that. But for fantasy, they were because what they give you with their legs and Jaden Daniels is that dual threat guy who can come in and immediately be a top five dual threat type of quarterback and rush for something like seven, 800 yards, maybe more than that. And if we're talking about that, then we're talking about a, a fantasy QB one. Um, the only questions I have with this landing spot is would, would Daniel Jones still be there? Would they start Daniel Jones early on? I like the supporting cast best in Atlanta, but mm. McCarthy, I, I like him as a player too, but no one, none of these four, uh, the other three, I mean, run like Jaden Daniels. So I don't care where he lands for fantasy purposes. I think he's the QB one next year. Oh, God, I, I mentioned this last week. I, I, the thing that worries me about Jaden Daniels, right? For every highlight you see of him making a great throw, there's one highlight of him taking just an insane hit, a wicked hit. Mm. I mean, the the comp Wiley Coyote has come up more than once, which <laughs> yeah, doesn't seem it. like a great thing for a quarterback. I mean, does that worry you at all for him at the next level? 
Uh, it does, and it should in general with these quarterbacks that are willing to rush. It's always going to be a concern. Now, to Florio's point, it's also always going to be a huge positive for fantasy. So it's kind of that give and take. You have to weigh it out and hope that he can figure it out. Um, from what we've seen, I think that teams are getting good at coaching quarterbacks how to protect themselves a little better at the next level. So hopefully we can see that there. Is the Giants coaching staff one of the ones I'm most willing to trust in the NFL? <laughs> no, not really. Um, I- I'll throw my hat in on this question, by the way, to say. Please. I know that Caleb Williams is obviously the best prospect. Not only is he the best prospect in this draft, he, most people consider him or a lot of people consider him to be one of the best prospects of the last decade at the position. So it is easier to trust in his fantasy output from the get go even though he's not the rusher that Daniels is. That said, A, when Andrew Luck came into the league, he was productive right away. This is the kind of guy that people are comping Caleb to from a prospect level standpoint. So it's possible he could produce that well for fantasy out the gate. But B, if he goes to the Bears, I know that the Bears don't seem like the best situation offensively, but you know they finally got DJ Moore, uh, who was great. They have the opportunity to build around that in several different directions from an offensive side of the ball. They have the third most cap space in the league. They have two picks in the first and four, four or five in the first four rounds. So they have a lot of opportunity. And if they trade Justin Fields to make this pick of Caleb Williams, that's going to net them maybe another late first, early second plus is what it sounds like. So that's a lot of assets. And, and if they do this and take Caleb number one, obviously they're Full focus is going to be build around Caleb Williams, build a team that can support him, give him the pieces he needs. So if he goes one and they build up, build up a solid offensive roster around him, he'd be up there for me as well. I know when we had Adam Rank on a few weeks ago, I mean, he he very much is still in the I think we should build around Justin Fields camp. He understands the process of going out and drafting Caleb Williams. He still believes that, that they can build around Fields and, and what have you. Um I'm sort of torn because, you know, my, my Trojan allegiance wants me to wants Caleb to go somewhere where he can immediately be successful, where he is, you know, like ideally he goes to a Houston type situation, right? Where they just suddenly blossom and everything is great and wonderful. I don't think Chicago's the worst spot for him. You mentioned DJ Moore. Um, I think, you know, Caleb's biggest strength is sort of playing off schedule. He is, he's a great improviser, gets out of the pocket and makes plays there. I think that's uh, a good spot for him to be in. I think Drake May, though, might be the guy who steps in and plays really, really well right away. Um, we saw what Sam Howell did. Uh, you know, forget the fact that he was sacked 11 billion times <laughs> this season. Um, he stood in there and he made some really good throws. I think it's awkward for him to watch the guy who was behind him in North Carolina come in and take his job, potentially. Uh, but I think Drake May steps up. Uh, and I think he, I think Washington's not a bad spot for him to go in and be productive. They've got some good pass catchers there. You know, the running back situation isn't the it isn't great, but it isn't the worst either. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I know people love him. I know people have talked about him potentially going number one. I think he's in a really, really good spot uh, to come in and, and be productive right away. Um, any thoughts, maybe Matt, on on which guys maybe set up long term? Is it is it Caleb? Is he the the long term answer out of this group? Long term, I think it has to be Caleb even over Daniels, assuming like let's just assume that Daniels is better in year one as Florio laid out because of that rushing ability. I have no problem with that take at all. And 
even if you told me that that was guaranteed to happen, I would still take Caleb for the long term because of the the value of that prospect, that level of prospect we are talking about. You know, do we want to say he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes? No. But is he going to be a <laughs> high end QB one for Dynasty or every year in redraft for the next decade? It's it's a better bet than you ever get with a draft prospect <laughs> coming into March. So, yeah, it's Caleb for me. Hopefully that team builds around him better than they have. And let me I'll just throw out there. No team, no team in NFL history has a worse history of QB success. Ugh. They've never had a star ever. It's it's actually embarrassing and insane. So hopefully he <laughs> is the savior. I mean, look, they still have never had a 4,000-yard passer Insane. in their history. Um, I mean, you talk about Bears quarterbacks. They still refer to Sid Luckman. Sid Luckman, his <laughs> last season was 1950. Uh, 1950. Oh, We're no. going on 75 years since Sid Luckman last played an NFL game, and that's the guy they still refer to when they talk about great Chicago Bears quarterbacks. Yeah, that's that's rough. Um the other position that, that DJ has going very early, wide receivers, three in the first nine picks, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. to New England, um, Malik Neighbors to Arizona, Romo Dunze to Chicago with the number nine pick. Uh, we were sort of talking, the three of us, in Slack yesterday about this, and I think we all sort of agreed that Marvin Harrison Jr., obviously an amazing prospect, going to New England makes us all feel depressed and sad and gloomy. Um, but... Florio, I'll start with you. I mean, if if these were the actual landing spots, how do you rank the three of these guys? I would put neighbors first for sure, um, because he's so explosive. He could win downfield and he'd have the best quarterback throwing him the ball uh, with, with Kyler Murray. And I mean, you know, I, I tweeted about it yesterday. Mino Kata, we're talking about it on Slack. Like right now is a great time to buy Kyler Murray because he's going to get a big upgrade at, at wide receiver one. I, I think regardless if it's Marvin Harrison Jr. or neighbors, but I would put him one. Uh, I think then it's a conversation after because Odunze would be catching passes from Caleb Williams, uh, assumed if, if things broke down this way. But. He would be the number two target behind DJ Moore. I don't know who would be the quarterback in this uh, instance <laughs> for the Patriots. Um, hopefully it wouldn't be Mac Jones someone or Bailey bad. Zappi. Hopefully they'd go out and <laughs> sign someone. Uh, I still think I would put Marvin Harrison Jr. second, though, because no disrespect to Odunze. I need to dive into both of their films more. I've been watching some quarterback stuff as of late, but... Uh, from what I've seen and from everything I read and everything everyone says, Marvin Harrison Jr. is just head and shoulders better than than pretty much every wide receiver prospect we've gotten in recent years. So even in a bad landing spot, I would put him too uh, ahead of a doomsday in this situation. I mean, your thoughts, Matt, you are the resident Patriots fan here on the show. Yeah, that that's the great thing about this is, uh, well, I don't know if I'd call it great, but there's the small <laughs> silver lining for me of if Marvin Harrison goes there and is tanked for fantasy is that I get to have Marvin Harrison on my team. <laughs> However, that doesn't matter much if my grandma is throwing him the football, which is in the situation since Tom Brady left. Yeah, it is a disaster. If he goes there and they don't maneuver in the first round to get a quarterback or sign someone like Kirk Cousins, basically, mm -hmm. it, it it's a it's terrible. I think now Marvin Harrison, you know, to your guy's point, is a prospect of a level to where we can maybe transcend that. 
and maybe even lift up the quarterback, whoever it is, uh, to a better degree, and he'll still be okay. But if he goes there, which might arguably be one of the worst situations in the league, and Neighbors goes to Arizona, which might honestly be one of the best in terms of realistic you know, options for these top wide receivers, uh, he's by he's far and away the better option for me. Um, I love Kyler and, and the chance he has to rebound, like Florio pointed out. I think that Neighbors... Uh, is the one B in this draft class. And that's, I think that's a hot take because everybody has been hearing about Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, obviously for years and assume him to be future hall of famer, best prospect. And Malik neighbors is kind of a little bit newer name sliding a little bit under the radar in comparison, but he's incredible. His, uh, his statistical or analytical breakdown is unbelievable if you want to look at yards per route run in college which is one of the best things to look at when you're looking at these prospects he is beyond elite we're talking like above jamar chase you know in the the uh, stratosphere of elite that you either get a superstar or something goes wrong with the prospect i don't see that happening here i think he will be a superstar and i think arizona is the place with the opportunity the quarterback the draft capital, it'll all be great. So he'd be one. I mean, look, if if somehow this works out that that Marvin Harrison Jr. goes to Arizona, um, I, I mean, are we are we talking what third round pick in redrafts? That that yeah. realistic? If that if that's, so. that's what it is, I think he's a top twenty four wide receiver out <laughs> the game easily. Yeah, I mean. And I, I mean, I, we, we talk about this every year right? that you, we can spend all this time studying tape, talking about traits and, and skills and abilities and what have you. Landing spot means so much in fantasy mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, no matter how talented you are, uh, you land in the wrong spot and it's going to automatically put a cap on where you are. But I'm with you guys. Neighbors to Arizona makes him number one. I would probably go Odunze to Chicago number two, just because if they take Caleb, I'd feel better about his quarterback situation. It's not a talent thing. It's a situation thing. Uh, And that would put MHJ at at three out of that group. Um, Tight end has become interesting to talk about in the last couple of years. I mean, all hail Sam Laporta, who is currently the king of fantasy tight ends after his rookie season. And now we've got Brock Bowers coming. And you talk about hearing about MHJ for a couple of years. We've been hearing about Brock Bowers for over a year or so. Now, DJ sort of admits that him falling all the way to 18 to the Cincinnati Bengals probably isn't likely. He, he admitted that he sort of mocked this one for his own personal enjoyment. And... Matt, when I looked at it, I thought, man, that that seems fun. Like the Bengals could definitely use a tight end, but also they've got Jamar Chase and they may throw the franchise tag on T Higgins. And that feels like a lot, even with Joe Burrow there, it just feels like a lot to try to feed Brock Bowers enough targets that we're going to love what he can be next year. So yay or nay on Bauer to the Bengals. (sighs) Next year is a yay nay. What's in between? (laughs) Um, it's, it's a rookie tight end situation. It's tough. Now, obviously, we're all, I don't want to say poisoned by, but last <laughs> year was absurd when it came to the productivity of rookie tight ends. I think we should be careful about assuming that or that things have changed. Um, so I, I don't know if I'm going to be considering him a top, you know, six, eight, maybe even 10 tight end if he goes there. But I do think it is a good spot, mainly because, if there's somebody who can support that many targets, it would be a healthy Joe Burrow. Now, we'll see how healthy Joe Burrow is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, 
between T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, I think it's likely that one will be gone. I do think that they'll try to get one back, but that's going to open up a lot of targets as well, whichever one it is. Um, and this offense is built around, you know, Burrow throwing the ball, Mixon taking the short yardage stuff. They need that they could really use a tight end. They haven't had one, mm. certainly not of this potential caliber. I think that he would be have a great opportunity there and be solid out the gate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was the last what legit with Tyler Eifert, maybe the last. Yeah, probably. And, and even in that's that's been a while. He was good for fantasy back in the day. He was. No, he he did have a couple of really good fantasy. See, I'm looking at it right now. 2015, uh, 615 yards, whatever, 13 touchdowns. That's great. Um, you know, love to see um, that. that was nine years ago, though, at this. Yeah, point. <laughs> 2015's a while ago. Right. And like he had 13 <laughs> touchdowns that one year. He had 13 touchdowns the rest of his career combined. Um, so, you know, they could definitely use a tight end. I just worry that there's not enough targets, potentially, at least in the first year for uh, Brock Bowers to really be great. Um, Adonai Mitchell, uh, DJ has him going to Tampa Bay. They're, now the, the big point here, Florio, is that you know Mike Evans could be on his way out of Tampa. I know Baker Mayfield has said he wants to run it back. He wants to keep the band back together. I think that'd be a lot of fun. If he leaves, I mean, Adonai Mitchell, big body guy who's good downfield, wins jump balls. Sounds a lot like Mike Evans. Uh, I know we're not super geeked about Baker, but would you feel better if this was potentially the replacement for Evans? I'd feel a little, I I would feel better than if they just didn't replace him at all. But (laughs) like no, no disrespect to Mitchell. He's not going to come in and give you what Mike Evans gave you last year. Like it's He's not going to rip take, off 10 straight 1,000-yard seasons yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and, and be one of the best <laughs> downfield options and great in the red zone. And so, yeah, I, I, it would be a hit to the Bucks, to Baker, to all of that if Mike Evans was to leave. And I've kind of been pushing Mike Evans to the Chiefs for a while now. Uh, if that doesn't happen, I, I think the Bucks make a lot of sense for him to just kind of go back. But, yeah, I think it would be – lofty expectations to put on any rookie to be like, Hey, you're our, you're our Mike Williams, uh, Mike Evans replacement. Even if you could be 75% of what Mike Evans was like, that would be a huge success. Um, and for Baker, I totally understand why Baker wants to run this back and have everyone yeah. come back and everything. Cause Heck like, yeah. <laughs> what, where else is he going to go? You know? So like he, he's advocating for Baker by that, not the bucks. I mean, look, I'm, I'm not mad at it. He's coming off, you know, <laughs> his best career season. I mean, he, he looked great. And, and I know you and I have sat on this show and apologized to Baker multiple times because we didn't believe. Uh, and he went out and he had a very, very good year. So absolutely. Baker's looking out for Baker when he says Mike Evans should come back. <laughs> I'm not, mad about that like in the least um but speaking of of sending guys to kansas city you know, florio says he's sort of pushing mike evans that direction uh, dj uh okada has troy franklin from the university of oregon going to kc franklin a speed guy a vertical threat that is one thing that the that chiefs have been missing since tyreek hill left i'm not going to sit here and say that troy franklin's going to be the next tyreek hill but can he be better than Marquez Valdez Scantling? Can he be that guy? And and if he is, is the hype train going to go off the rails? Because, you know, we anytime a skill position guy goes to a Patrick Mahomes offense, we get maybe a little bit too fired up. Does the hype train get going again if Troy Franklin lands in KC? Well, okay. Can he be better than MVS? Easily, yes. Because <laughs> I think I might be able to put up 300 yards catching passes for Patrick Mahomes. 
MVS was a disaster last year, barring a couple nice plays towards the end of the season. But most of the stuff we remember him for was bad. So replacing him is easy. If you bring in Troy Troy Franklin to replace him, what does that look like for Troy Franklin? Does he double or triple that production? I don't necessarily know. Here's what I'll say on on Franklin and, and the hype train. Does he have the blazing speed? Yes. What does that make us automatically think of when we're talking about Kansas City? Tyree Kill, of course. It's very hard to replace Tyree Kill. And what what you'll note is that the Chiefs haven't really tried. Andy Reid hasn't really tried. He said, oh, we don't have the greatest, possibly the greatest weapon at the wide receiver position that we've ever seen. Not necessarily greatest receiver, but just in terms of like, the ability to destroy a defense or put fear in a defense. Tyreek Hill is, is absurd. We don't have that. Okay, let's not try to replace him because it's not possible. Let's do something else. And this last year, Patrick Mahomes, like it or not, Chiefs fans or Mahomes truthers, was the dink and dunkiest <laughs> quarterback in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. You know, we went into that Super Bowl, everybody talking about Brock Purdy being a game manager, dink and dunker. It was Mahomes who's throwing everything behind the line. And that's what Reed does is he comes up with creative answers for the roster you have. So if Troy Franklin goes there, I will like it. I will be excited because you still have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. It doesn't matter if you're going to replace Tyreek Hill or not. Having Mahomes is great. And he is a great prospect with tools to be absurdly good, especially with a quarterback who can throw a deep ball like that. But I would be... I would temper the hype train a bit if it turns into Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> that I don't really expect. I think he'll be I think he'll be solid, but careful. He's the he's the Gabe Davis replacement. That's what Troy Franklin mm. really is. Oh. I don't know. That excites <laughs> I don't know that, that excites me a whole lot either, necessarily. I mean, that's just you know, so they're saying he's better in best ball already. He hasn't even stepped <laughs> on the field, and you're just saying he's the best ball sort of guy. Honestly, that's kind of valid. Uh yeah. I, the only thing that worries me, and this I will admit this is me maybe being in my own head too much. Right. And like sometimes I think we can all be guilty of uh, not judging the player on on his individual merits and maybe just on situation. And my first thought is the Chiefs recently and by recently, I mean, maybe the last decade have not been great at drafting wide receivers. Like, yes, they found Rasheed Rice and that that looks like it's going to turn out to be good. But you go back Sky Moore. Uh, Cornell Powell was a fifth round pick in 2021. Uh, Mecole Hardman. Yes, I know he caught the Super Bowl winning <laughs> touchdown, but but Mecole Hardman has not blossomed into anything uh, over his career. Uh, I'm trying to look at some of the other guys. Uh, Jehu Chesson, um, Demarcus Robinson. You know, Tyreek Hill was a fifth round guy that they thought was going to be a special teamer more than anything. Like they didn't draft him to be the guy that he has become. Uh, Chris Conley, uh, which, by the way, side note, I thought it was interesting. Chris Conley tackling. Uh, oh, who was it uh, for the, the Chiefs? Like there were a, a, uh, a swap of players, like former 49ers playing for the Chiefs and former Chiefs playing for the 49ers in the Super Bowl. And they ended up tackling each other. I thought that was amusing. That's just my own thing. Um <laughs> Long story short, though, the Chiefs have not been great at drafting wide receivers, and that makes me nervous, and I probably shouldn't do that. They certainly have a tight. <laughs> they do have a tight. If tie. you can run mm. fast, they yeah. are interested in you. Yeah. Honestly, they haven't done a great job of just having good wide receivers, draft or otherwise. Besides Tyreek Hill, who's the last one before that that was great? I don't even know. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. No, it's, it's been a while. I mean, look. Dwayne Bowe? 
Yes, Dwayne Bowe. <laughs> that might be the only other one. Wow. <laughs> Richie James, by the way, that's the name I was trying to think of. Richie oh, James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, what? We're not really that far removed from a season where the Chiefs had, you know, no touchdowns from a wide receiver. I mean, it wasn't really that long ago uh, that that happened. It just makes Travis Kelsey that much more impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, 100%. So uh, anyway, just want to kind of dive through this mock draft a little bit. I know we'll do it again as we get closer to draft season and start talking about landing spots. Uh, Ideally, we're going to start talking to some other folks, too. Maybe get Bucky Brooks uh, on the show. I know he's down in New Orleans right now with uh, Laquan. And, uh, you know, he's obviously got his finger on the pulse of this stuff as well. So uh, that'll be fun to talk about as we get a little bit closer to April and May. But, uh, Matt, we appreciate you hanging out, man. Uh, For folks who are looking out for you, man, where can they find your stuff? Uh, at Matt Okada on Twitter, go to NFL.com and read this cuts article. There's also going to be a free agency boom bust article coming out soon. Spoiler Ooh. alert. I don't actually know if I'm even allowed to say that, but there it is. It's already <laughs> out. Uh, Too late. With, with some with some fantasy uh, implications as well. So that one will be fun to read. Ooh, outstanding. We might have to get you back on it to, uh, to talk about that one, too, as well, because uh, that sounds actually awesome uh anyway yeah go check out matt uh we're gonna take a quick break come back and uh matt uh matt uh mike and i we're gonna try to figure out how to fix all-star games because apparently that's a thing that we need to do uh anyway stick around for more of the nfl fantasy football podcast you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. So wrapping up the show, uh, and by the way, thanks to Matt Okada for stopping by. Be sure to check him out. Uh, read his column on NFL.com. Uh, but wanted to finish with something just kind of a little bit different because we're not that far removed from the Pro Bowl. Just what, about three weeks or so. The NBA All-Star Game just happened over the past weekend. And 
it seems as though the big talking points when it comes to all-star games recently has been that, you know, they need to be fixed. No one cares. The players don't seem all that interested. I mean, the, for years, everybody said, well, the, you know, the Pro Bowl has turned into a flag football game. So the NFL just went on and made it an actual flag football game. Uh, the NBA all-star game pretty much is just uncontested dunks and lightly contested three-point shots. I mean, the the East scored 200 points this year in yeah. the All-Star game. Uh, so it, it's obviously not the same as it was, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. So I guess as we sit here and talk about it, do we still need All-Star games? Do we still even want All-Star games as a general public? And And, you know, how do we fix them if that's the case? I can't speak for the whole public, but me, I don't think we need them. I think they're outdated. Like, baseball was my first love. And as a 90s kid, I mean, we interleague play only really started in, like, the late 90s. So when I was a kid, I loved the All-Star game because, like, even when there was interleague play in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, it was two weeks of the season or something like that, and you would play, like... The Mets would always play the Yankees. But, like, if I wanted to see Mike Piazza face, like, Pedro Martinez, the Mets were never good enough to make the World Series. So that was my (laughs) only opportunity to really see it. Now we get interleague play every single day of the baseball season. So I, I, I don't think it's as needed. And I thought long and hard about how to fix them. Okay. And you can't you can't offer money to to people who have all the money in the world. Like there, there's not going to be enough money to get them to play. Right. So I was like, how can we incentivize it? And time, time is what we have that the players need this time of year. So they play the All Star NBA All Star game on Sunday night, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever loses, if the East lose. Every Eastern Conference team plays that Monday, and the West gets off until Thursday as oh. planned. Because if you told them. Whether you, it's like The Office. You watch The Office, right? Like when they play mm-hmm. to work on Saturday, everyone is playing hard because no one wants to work on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think, look, it would be hard to, to plan with venues and arenas. Like scheduling, yeah, would be kind of tough. But if you told the players your vacation depends on it, you're gonna get you're gonna get defense. That's for sure. That's interesting. I, you know, that, I I never considered that. That would be a definite way to get guys to like focus in and pay attention a little bit because. Um, I mean, my thought was maybe not to fix the all-star star games, but let's just de-emphasize them a little bit, right? Like, um, like all-star Saturday night still has some meaning to it, even though I think the dunk contest has probably run its course because um, yeah. we've seen it. Like, I, I don't know what anybody can do short of, you know, anti-gravity boots or something like that. Like, I think we've just, we've seen all of the dunks that can be done. Like, Jalen Brown had one and... I, Kenny Smith or whoever the announcer was, was like in 85, that was a 50. And it's like, right. we've seen that dunk for 40 years now. You know, I think somebody tweeted like, you know, like jumping over people. Like we've seen every variation of you jumping over people now. Like it's just, it's not as exciting anymore. Um, my thought was just to take the all-star game and just, just flip flop the days, right? Like, you know, put put the all-star game on like Saturday afternoon or something like that. Let them play, like get that out of the way. And then the showcase, the skill showcase, because that seems to be what people really get excited for. Um, you know, the three point shootout is still exciting. That's still interesting. I mean, you had the Steph versus Sabrina. That was fun to watch. I legitimately enjoyed that. I thought it was the best part of the night. 
Yeah, so why don't we make that the centerpiece then? Why don't we put that part on Sunday and make that the showcase of the weekend? The game itself can be, you know, like whatever. They want to play, you know, have have it score be, you know, 208 to 186 or whatever it was. Um, we can do that part on Saturday. Uh, have that Saturday afternoon. Also, let's not start it so late. Yeah. It starts really late. And I say that as somebody on the West Coast where it's like still, you know, 530 in the evening. But like there's nothing else going on on Sunday. Just play the game already. Like, we don't have to wait all day. Um, it, yeah, it, it's hard because, like, you can't really incentivize them to want to play for because they have all the money and they... Right. And, and rightfully so. And they they don't want to get hurt. They don't want to get that. hurt. And so it, it's really hard to... I think back in the day, there was some pride on it when it was like, this is the only time we're going to play each other and I want to show that I'm better than you. But... We get these matchups every single night for six months. Yeah, and I think uh, I've seen a lot of people make the point, too, that now because rings culture, which has kind of infected every sport, is so important. uh, If I'm a player in any sport, why am I going to go out and risk injury that prevents me from possibly winning a championship? Because that's all I'm going to be judged on when my career is over. You know, no matter what I do, no matter how many other awards I win, Somebody's got to say, well, you didn't, you didn't get a ring. So why would I, why would I bother busting my butt to win an all-star game or get an all-star game MVP um, when, you know, people aren't really going to credit that for anything. So I, I get that. The, the all-star game MVP is almost like the, the smallest award you could win. Like, like you said, like Dame won the MVP and the three-point contest. I think more people care about the three-point contest win than anything. Like, the dunk contest, I think people care more about than who gets the All-Star Game MVP. Although it's funny that, you know, you could see Dame was really going out of his way to win that thing early. Like, he was he was really, like, from the beginning. Because, like, the first few minutes, you thought maybe Tyrese Halliburton, he came out of the gate firing. I think he scored 15 points in the first couple minutes. Uh, and then after a while, Dame took over. You're like, all right, he's he's obviously on a mission to, to win this MVP. I will say... I love that he stole it from the hometown kid. No oh, offense yeah. to, to Halliburton and the Pacers, just the heel doing that. Oh, I love oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah, especially for the team, playing with the team in you know the same division, too. Like, that's that's hilarious to me. Uh, also, I think it's funny that the NBA's back-to-back dunk champion doesn't actually play in the NBA. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things, that there's a guy <laughs> not good enough to be in the NBA, but no one can out-dunk him. But he's the great, he apparently is the champion dunker of the NBA, like, I know we should do that in other sports too, right? Have skills competitions. Like, you know, I don't know, have, uh, you know, see, see if some guy from AAA uh, can come up and win the home run derby or something like that, right? Like, uh, let's do it. It should be a yearly <laughs> event. Like, look, I know Steph won. Sabrina put up 26, which was a, the high score in both rounds. Yeah. Three, the men's three point. She would have been in the finals. And Steph made it look e- like yearly. Let's just pick anyone in the world and see if they can outshoot Steph. That's, you know what? Loser leaves the court. Like Steph just stays on until somebody beats him, right? <laughs> he just stays on. He keeps shooting until somebody beats him, and we'll see so how long he can. He's got jelly legs, and he can't yeah. jump anymore. He's like, "Tell you can't can't lift his arms anymore," because <laughs> 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 he's been shooting all day. Uh, yeah, you know, I think here's the thing. I, I think the NFL has sort of gone at least along the right path with the skills competition. And I think that's kind of become one of the showcases of the Pro Bowl weekend. Um, you know, I think people you know, are sort of interested in the, the flag football game and what have you. But I think the skills competition is, I think that's sort of the thing with, with these all-star weekends now, because as you mentioned, it's not necessarily special to see the players go up against each other because we tend to see it uh, a whole lot. Um, 
you know, I think for us who play fantasy, we've been we've been putting all star teams together for a long time now. So uh, and and we're hardcore sports fans. Me, like Nicolette watches the home run derby with me. She watched Saturday night with me. She doesn't care, but she's like, this is entertaining. And yeah, she would not think that of an all star game. Yeah. You know, I think the all star games have become like, you know, I don't know. Cut to the sidelines. See what uh, see what celebrities are hanging out there. At least the NBA all star game for sure. Um, I don't know. It, it is definitely, as you mentioned, I think a thing from a bygone era when you couldn't see guys. I mean, I was I, I pulled up as you were talking the the 1991 Major League Baseball All-Star game, you know, and how amazing it was, you know, potentially to see Dennis Eckersley face Tony Gwynn because you just weren't going to yeah. get that in a regular season. You know, just wasn't going to happen. No, it can happen all the time. It's not it, as fun. It kind of reminds me of the World Baseball Classic a couple years ago when it was Otani versus Trout. And that was like, amazing. Yeah, everyone was watching that, even though most people would say that that game doesn't really matter. But it was amazing, right? Because we don't see... Now we actually, we actually may see it now that they're on different <laughs> teams. Uh, we may actually get to see that at some point in the very near future. We'll see. But uh, there it is. All-Star Games, yeah, they're just there. I think that's sort of the, the, <laughs> the end result of this whole conversation. But I do like your idea of maybe giving some guys extra rest. If they uh, if their team wins the All Star game, we'll see if guys play play a little bit harder uh, in that in that case. We'll see. Uh, anyway, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks to man Matt Okada for uh, hanging out with us as well. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy the week, everybody, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.